0: Welcome, it's Indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day. None other than David Schuster, TYT, contributor, Rebel HQ, All-Star, always fascinating to have his analysis. Top story of the day, hell of a thing, here it is. Will Willis DA prosecuting former President Donald Trump and all of his criminal cronies. Well, the prosecutor's wife, the special prosecutor's wife is trying to derail this prosecution of Trump, according to the allegation. All right, put up the picture full mask, more twists and turns, here it is. The judge presiding over the Georgia election interference case against former President Trump has ordered a court hearing next month on the 15th into allegations of a secret romance between Fulton County D.A. Bonnie Willis and special prosecutor Nathan Wade. The order from the Georgia Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee came the same day that Willis filed a motion accusing Wade's estranged wife of manipulating their ongoing divorce in an attempt to muddy the prosecution against Trump. The decree from Judge McAfee requires Willis to submit a written response to the court by the 2nd of February, according to a copy of the order that was first obtained by the Washington Post. The scandal intensified more than a week after the allegations against Willis surfaced in a January 8th motion. Filed by former Republican campaign aide Michael Roman. Now, remember, Michael Roman is your actual guy who has been criminally charged. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. All right, so Michael Roman, uh, who was one of uh, more than, what, a dozen co defendants facing charges in the RICO case against Trump. Days after the allegations came to light, the case took a major unexpected turn. When Willis received a subpoena to testify, to testify in Special Prosecutor Wade's ongoing divorce proceeding on January 23rd. Now, it's interesting. Lending credibility to the claims of an extramarital affair between Willis and Wade. Now, this is hyperbolic. This is sensational. This is entertaining to many. But the rights of the individual who has been charged have not been violated. As a matter of fact, no motion claims that a constitutional right nor a statutory legal right of the defendant, Mr. Roman, has been violated. There's more. Mr. Roman uh, is still, ha- still has a civil rights intact. Meanwhile, the motion from Willis seeks to vanquish the subpoena in Wade's divorce case, claiming Jocelyn Wade is using the legal process to harass and embarrass D.A. Willis, and in doing so, is obstructing and interfering with an ongoing criminal prosecution, the filing says. That's according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC. Meanwhile, Roma's motion urges Judge McAfee to immediately dismiss the charges And disqualify Willis from continuing to pursue the case against Trump and those accused alongside him. So far, Willis has neither confirmed nor denied the salacious claims in Roman's court motion, which also alleged the DA enriched herself through the ongoing relationship with attorney Nathan Wade, whom she hired in late 2021 to prosecute Trump on 13 criminal counts for his efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election result. Previously, the DA spokesperson said Willis would respond fully to the allegations, quote, through appropriate court filings, end quote. Willis handpicked way to handle the unprecedented case against Trump uh, to minimize any perceived impropriety as Trump was the first US president to ever face criminal charges. Although Roman's legal filing did not cite direct evidence of the alleged affair, it did raise immediate questions about the validity of Willis's indictment against Trump, while also highlighting concerns over Willis's professional conduct. Once again, um, interesting points, just not germane to the case. I will explain that in just a moment. Willis remained mum on the scandal for nearly a week before she finally broke her silence on the 14th of January, speaking at Big Bethel AME Church in Atlanta, Georgia where she was invited to speak as part of a tribute for King Day. However, she did not offer any specifics about her private life. And she never mentioned Wade by name. Although she vaguely acknowledged some of the pers- some personal shortcomings, saying she was not a perfect person. The debacle threatens to derail the prosecution as Roman's filing claims, Willis and Wade are actively involved in an extraordinary romance behind the scenes. Constituting potential ethical or criminal violations. All right, so let me say this. In a court case where constitutional and legal rights of a defendant must be upheld, okay? There are very exacting things that a prosecutor cannot do as it relates to that defendant or the evidence. When they engage in the inappropriate conduct of violating the constitutional or legal rights of a defendant, or if they in fact manipulate evidence. Well, those things are obviously contrary to law and contrary to the ethical code they must uphold. So let's fast forward to now, what has successfully happened? Everyone's talking about the personal relationship of the D.A. Potentially, potentially having a relationship with Mr. Wade. She has admitted on record that she's friends with Mr. Wade personally. She's also friends with one of the other prosecutors. Personally, the other prosecutor is a white male, you got three total. No one is checking for her and the white male prosecutor. They simply wanted to check for Mr. Wade. The issue of payment became a matter where she said they're paid the same. They're both paid at $250 an hour. But everyone went after Mr. Wade. If it is true, and I'm not saying it is, I don't have any information one way or the other. It doesn't constitute a violation of a constitutional right, nor a legal right of the client. At best, obviously, it is likely a violation of a policy in the office. It's an administration dynamic. And for someone to argue, you got to think about this. For someone to argue, all charges should be dropped. Because potentially, one of the prosecutors is sleeping with somebody in the office. Is insane. I guarantee you that if the prosecution were against, let's say, a rapper they have claimed to be a gang member, if that was on the table and this motion came, nobody would take it seriously. Nobody would take that motion from someone being prosecuted for a violent crime or being part of a gang, whatever it may be, seriously if they say, hey, you know, all charges need to be dropped. Because the prosecutor is rumored to have a personal relationship with another prosecutor. I don't like the way this has been handled from the communication standpoint of the DA's office. There was no need to really respond to this silliness because it has nothing to do with the case, I wish that would have been a tone from the beginning. Um, But as far as the criminal investigation into Fonnie Willis, which has been echoed on conservative channels, put it up. Georgia Bureau of Investigations, they had to get involved. Why did they get involved? Because so many conservatives were lying about Fonnie Willis being under criminal investigation because of this rumor of a romance. The GBI, which by the way, never does this, they said, The Newsweek, they are not investigating Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. Right now, you have two adults, obviously. One is a special prosecutor. The other one is the elected prosecutor. If the people do not like the decision she has made by selecting the prosecutor in this case, It could be because of experience or lack thereof, maybe the previous personal relationship, whatever it may be, the voters get to decide that, all right? But as far as the prosecution, the absolute worst that should happen here is Attorney General Chris Carr of Georgia can appoint, by way of Georgia statute, can appoint a special prosecutor to prosecute the case, not summarily drop charges. All right, my dear brother, thoughts here.
1: Well first of all I've heard repeatedly that Nathan Wade is a terrific attorney so that's first yeah. and foremost and funny Willis is entitled to hire friends who also happen to be great attorneys or hire great attorneys who happen to be friends. Secondly, I've heard um, many prosecutors and many people in the court system have said through the years that uh, for the defense, the thing that, that a defendant should do is first argue the facts. If you can't argue the facts, then argue the law. If you can't argue the law, then try to attack the judge. If you can't attack the judge, then attack the prosecutor. This seems to be that the Donald Trump sympathizers are grasping at straws. They're trying to muddy the waters, smear Fani Willis, perhaps to try to influence the jury and some possibility. Yep. But again, as you pointed out, there's nothing that prohibits Fonnie Willis from pushing forward with a criminal prosecution, no matter who she has on the prosecution staff, whether it's somebody she is having an affair with or not or friends with, that's irrelevant. The only thing that could come to play is if let's suppose Fonnie Willis is telling Nathan Wade pillow talk, or whatever it is, hey, I want you to screw over Donald Trump and his defendants. I want you to cheat the evidence. I want you to lie to the judge. Well, that would be a problem, but I'm pretty sure that's not happening. And by the way, if people want to open up the financial books of Fonnie Willis and the DA's office, have at it. It sounds like they are perfectly fine and nothing's going to be found here.
0: Yeah, um, and Donald Trump tried to steal a whole damn country.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right.
0: A black woman hired to investigate discrimination in a school system has to sue the school system because they decided to discriminate against her. Wow, put it up for a mask. Utah, Dr. Jocelyn Thomas is taking legal action against a school district in northern Utah that hired her to investigate racial harassment at their schools which district officials made possible after they began discriminating against her according to the new lawsuit. So Jocelyn Thomas once served as a coordinator for the Davis School District. Her position was created in 2022 as part of a settlement agreement between the district and the Justice Department that mandated the district adopt a means to address racial harassment in their schools. So in the district's newly created Office of Equal Opportunity, Thomas was hired as a district coordinator to investigate and respond to complaints of racial harassment. Now, we've seen this before by the DOJ. DOJ will come in. They will find obvious signs of malfeasance and racial bullying and also administrative policies that do not properly address the reality thereof. And so they will say, listen, we go away if you agree to do A, B, and C. The school looks at the evidence, will acquiesce to the reality in front of them, and agree to do A, B, and C. It's a settlement. It created her position. Let's continue. This followed a full probe in 2021 that discovered that Black and Asian American students in the district were overwhelmingly targeted and mistreated by white students. There was an inordinate number of instances documented over a five-year period that revealed that students were called the N-word and other racial slurs. Now, I want to remind everyone, this is not simply about the students. This is about the culture that allows the racism to permeate. So the administrators and the teaching faculty, they are on the hook for this, all right? While black students only made up about 1% of the student population for the district, which is composed of 74,000 students. Reports show they were disciplined more harshly than their white counterparts. Even after years of data showed this to be true. The school district had done nothing to address the trend according to the investigators. Although Thomas was hired to address incidents similar to these, the hostile work environment she experienced made it difficult for her to fulfill a task, according to her complaint. In a federal lawsuit, she alleges that district staff treated her, quote, as if she were stupid, accused her of having a substandard work ethic and denied her training and mentorship opportunities that were offered to her white colleagues, AP reports. She cited an incident that took place one month into her position in which a colleague handed her a pile of trash and told her to clean it up during an administrative meeting. When she refused, the colleague was furious according to the complaint. One year after she was hired, district administrators decided not to renew her contract without providing cause, which effectively ended her employment on June 30th, 2023. She scheduled a meeting weeks before she was let go with the district's HR director to discuss the discrimination she was subjected to. However, just 15 minutes before the meeting, the assistant superintendent placed her on administrative leave and told her that officials would be investigating her ethical, moral, or professional conduct. She never learned what came of that investigation. Um, put them up. The complaint named the school district and two district employees, Fidel Montero and Susie Jensen, and a third party consultant. Heidi Alder as defendants. Thomas seeks damages and possible reinstatement. The spokesperson for the district declined to comment on the injunction because the district, quote, will not make comments about potential litigation. Davis School District administrators, teachers, and staff stand firmly against any form of harassment or discrimination that affects the child's learning experience in our schools. The statement read, our primary duty and responsibility is to create a safe environment for every child, employee, and um, patron. All right. The whole 15 minutes before you talk to the HR director thing, um, that reeks bad. The woman was hired literally because the school system is racist. Okay. They admitted to being racist. Yeah, we messed up. We're racist. We're going to create these positions in order to create diversity, equity, etc. Here's the thing about those positions, and God bless her for trying, okay? You're coming into a place that has a culture. Policies did not fix that culture. The powers that be, the elected members who oversee the school board, the directors of this, the superintendent of that, did not fix the culture. These individuals who are seemingly well-educated people that are supposed to be somewhat grounded in some level of progressive thinking. No, none of that fixed the culture. So one person, regardless of how great they are at their job and how strong they are in their personal constitution, one person trying to transform an entire system like that is an uphill battle any day of the week. David, thoughts here.
1: I hope Miss Thomas is successful in this lawsuit because it sounds like the Davis school district is racist. They've always been racist and they simply hired Miss Davis, perhaps as sort of window dressing, with no intention of actually changing anything. And the way that they treated her sounds like the kind of treatment somebody would get if you're sort of a whistleblower and there's retribution against you. It sounds like she's just doing her job, what she was hired to do, and yet they're still gonna mistreat her, abuse her. I mean, it's as a parent, I'm I'm horrified because you know, my my kids, there's a motto of the school that says, be kind. You be kind to everybody and everybody's trying to crack down on bullying. The idea that in this day and age in America, we still have school districts where there's an institutional bias for racism, never mind about bullying, but against people who look different, who have a different sounding name or maybe of different ethnic origin. The idea that that is a problem still at an institutional level is horrifying. And I think most importantly, if you live in the Davis school district, this is gonna come back to haunt all of you because now yep. I think people are going to, realize this is going to have an economic cost because people are not going to want to move to this Davis school district. The school district is going to have a horrible reputation. And as a result, you're not going to get the sort of tax base that other school districts might get that have better schools that have fair, more progressive schools. So it's, look, it's horrible for everybody in all counts.
0: That's right. This is called the ecosystem of racism and corruption. It actually costs more to engage in this kind of behavior and not eradicate it. All right, we'll bring
2: updates as they come.
0: Somebody was able to bribe 911 operators in order to commit fraud and theft in the millions. Put it up full mass. Hell of a thing. Per Atlanta Black Star reporting, a new guilty plea has surfaced in one of the largest insurance fraud conspiracies in New York involving. Social media influencer Jelani Ray, who made millions bribing 911 operators, medical personnel, and police officers for the confidential information of tens of thousands of motor vehicle accident victims. That plea came from Bradley Pierre, who admitted he conspired to commit bribery and conspired to defraud the Internal Revenue Service, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. The New York law dictates this. No fault insurance laws require a driver's automobile insurance company to pay automobile insurance claims automatically for certain types of motor vehicle accidents. Provided that the claim is legitimate, and below a particular monetary threshold. Under these requirements, insurance companies will often pay medical service providers directly for the treatment they provide to motor vehicle accident claims without the need to build the victims themselves. This is called a statutory framework. So they have a framework that all insurance companies in this circumstance must adhere to. There's more. The process resolves insurance claims without it, uh, issuing blame or issuing fault to the involved parties in the accident, bypassing lengthy disputes and the costs associated with an accident investigation. From 2008 to 2021, many years, Pierre staged a no-fault insurance scheme to cheat insurance companies out of millions of dollars by setting up illegal medical clinics in New York to personally profit from. While no doctors worked at these clinics, Pierre coached non-physicians to line the oath that the clinics were owned and operated by licensed doctors so they could send fraudulent bills to insurance companies. We're talking about a very sophisticated network. These individuals also lied about the facility's finances. Pierre would then steer patients to his wife's law firm where he was a manager to seek legal representation and file lawsuits against insurance companies. He also worked with the owner of an MRI facility who would falsely report injuries in MRI reports and bribe medical offices to send patients to their facility and his clinics. These falsified injuries allowed his illegal clinics to fraudulently bill insurance companies for additional unnecessary medical services and allowed attorneys to falsely claim injuries and lawsuits against insurance companies. Then starting in 2015, he enlisted others to bribe hospital employees, one dispatchers and other individuals for the confidential names and numbers of motor vehicle accident victims. Those co-conspirators would then call those victims and lie to them to coax them to receive medical treatment at Pierre's clinics. And seek legal representation from his wife's firm. I mean, damn. Do you understand the level of insight and industry knowledge this individual had to possess to do all of this the wrong way? There are people doing it the right way and have no idea about all of the layers involved like this individual. My point is, he could have utilized this obvious genius to do a lot more the right way. There's more, some of those bribes and calls to victims were coordinated by Ray directly, who was uh, was currently serving a seven-year sentence for his senior role in the scheme. According to investigators, Ray and his wife were were a well-known couple on Instagram who frequently promoted their lavish lifestyle on social media. One of the pair's most popular posts was their Halloween recreation of a set of viral maternity photos posted by Rihanna and ASAP Rocky, after Ray bribed hospital employees and dispatchers, and then contacted the victims, the clinics, and lawyers paid Ray and his associates kickbacks for the referrals. Ray also managed a medical clinic, and he referred the victim uh, that he referred the victims to. Ray reportedly made millions off of this scheme, and Pierre ended up paying Ray more than eight hundred thousand dollars in connection with these bribes. Over the 13 years that Pierre was part of the scheme, he transferred more than 20 million directly into his personal bank accounts. The two financial crimes he pleaded guilty to each carry a maximum of five years in prison. He uh, will be sentenced in May. Wow, now here's the thing. We don't have this, the full scope of everybody that was involved. And I know Ray and Pierre, et cetera, They're the ones that, you know, they were on social media and they were senior executive leaders of the scheme. But, you know, they took no oath. What they did was wrong, yes. Uh, They're paying the penalty. But they took no oath to uphold your rights. They took no oath to protect and serve. Police officers should be at the front of this list. It should be the Actual face of the story. Paramedics who engaged in this, 911 operators, attorneys, and others. What Ray and Pierre exposed here through their own criminal misconduct is how willing the alleged non-criminals are willing to become criminals because of money. And that, to me, is the actual point of this story. If you can see this much corruption for this many years among that many professional organizations without one person having a conscience to say this is wrong, David, thoughts here, man.
1: But also suggests that this happens far more often than perhaps we realize that when it's 911 dispatchers or people in clinics, that there's all sorts of um, corruption that goes on that we never even hear about. I hope that the prosecutor will now get Ray and Pierre uh, to cooperate and to provide the names and identities of everybody that was part of the scheme. Because, I mean, you talk about you know, there's ambulance chasing and then there's ambulance chasing on steroids done the wrong way. And this was clearly the wrong way. And I would like to know Who are these police officers? Who are the 911 dispatchers? Who are the people who worked in these clinics who clearly knew that what Ray and Pierre were doing was wrong, but still just sort of went along with it anyway because there was some maybe payoff to them or some access to these social media influencers. Uh, It speaks volumes about the entire institution. And the fact is, if there is a loophole, if there's a loophole that can be exploited this easily or perhaps this in such a complex way, I also hope that that loophole is now closed, and there's some oversight so that this kind of thing can't happen again with other people because it must be so tempting.
0: There you go. Got something for you, ladies and gentlemen. I wish Karen Wood.
2: You want to call the police on them for having a
3: barbecue on a In, Sunday? You're I feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell trouble.
4: There's an African American man threatening my life.
3: I wanna let you know that because these sauces weren't in the bag, my son's dinner was ruined. Alright? He doesn't want to eat no dry chicken and he uses it for his number French one fries. Curse. Okay. <laughs> Am I cursing at you or disrespecting you? Yeah you did disrespect me actually. No I, actually. Not no, I not. Maybe, I didn't maybe not right this word. second. Maybe not right this okay, second, but on the phone th- with me last night you did. No, I did not. In your opinion. Okay. In your opinion. Okay. When I pulled up here last night, I looked to whoever the person was in the eye. I said, Are all six sauces in there? He kinda looked back and he said, Yes. I and he, no, he was like, What were they? I told him, three barbecue, three sweet and sour. He kinda looked back and then he said yes. I looked whoever was directly in the I'm eye. Here,
1: to move.
3: And and so either that person and one of you, I was on the phone with you, you asked them, nice. did you put the sauces in? And they said yes. Yeah. So either that person is incompetent or they are a liar. And I wouldn't no, not want to have liars working for me. A liar, man.
4: That's not liar, nice. That's Because,
3: because he looked me in my okay. eye and said it's yes. Office. It's not like, it's, uh, your food. Though. Yeah, it, so it was my food. My son didn't eat that food last night. It was ruined. Your son sounds spoiled. Then. He's autistic. Okay, he is why, autistic because that could be very disrespectful. Yeah, so I don't tell get me, get my, get don't, get don't get tell get me, my son, get it's get spoiled. You
0: get- know what? I used to get like this over hot wings, all flats, extra crispy, half lemon pepper, half hot. <laughs> if you look me in the eye and said you understood my order and you give me half hot, half lemon pepper regular fry, not extra crispy, and mixed, not all flats, we're going to have a problem. There's more. Well,
3: so don't you tell you me, call me call my call son is spoiled. Well, he's a liar. Well, he said yes. He said yes, he said, said yes. And you called him a liar. You so, so, okay, so how hard is it to check your food? You're calling somebody a liar. I said either he's incompetent and or a liar. You're calling somebody a name. You shouldn't call somebody your name, that's not nice. All right, you know what else? When I was on the phone, with you, you didn't apologize once. You should have been you like- You give me a chance to talk. <laughs> plenty of time no, to you talk. You were just saying it's not right. They didn't put my sauces in No, you said. And I said, ma'am,
4: you can come <laughs> tomorrow to pick up the sauces. No, not you said, you. you
3: said, what do you want me to do about it? No, I said the not. sauces no, weren't in the bag.
4: Said, I said to you to come back and you said, no, you
3: can't do that. I so can't do, do it right now. So what did you want me to do? I can't next? do that right now. Okay, so what would you want me to do at that point? Yeah, what do you want me okay. to do about it? You should have been like, you know what, ma'am, I'm sorry that your friend's food is ruined. No, you didn't say sorry. Your food was ruined. You didn't. You did not say that. You question. should say, ma'am, I'm sorry your son's food was ruined. What would even you like know me? For your son, you didn't even mention your son yesterday. Why do I have to mention anything? Okay, so I told you, you could come back for your sauces. You're supposed to say, how can I make ma'am, it right? How, I stay? You're how can I line. make it right? I you Maybe by by line your line wouldn't sauce. be held up if you, you did your job correct sauce. the but first time. That's what somebody does when they know they suck at their job.
0: Listen, everybody. All Karen is asking for is for somebody to use the flux capacitor. Go back in time one day and get the order correct. I don't see what the problem is. Somehow, there's more. No, I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna call an officer on you. Okay, you do that. You do that.
3: Let me see. Do you know how to count to six? Do you know how to count to six? Oh, You could be on the phone with the up, but you don't know how to somebody face to face. No, they're getting your order wrong. You have to wait. Get out of my line, man. No, 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 oh, no. no. I swear to God, if I wasn't at work, it would be a scene. No, yeah, I yeah, I know, Get out of I my know, I know.
4: What are you going to do about it? Next
3: time, do your job correctly. You are ruining people's meals. You're ruining people's meals. I don't got time for this. I'm,
2: I'm
0: no psychologist. But I'm going to say this was not about the sweet and sour sauce. (laughs) Um, Obviously, no person working their job should be spoken to this way. Shame on you for doing that, madam. That did not make the situation better when you said you don't have time for this. You obviously are the only one who actually had time for this. Everybody else is trying to move on with their lives. And while I do believe it is reasonable to say, hey, you forgot the sauces. Everything else was completely unreasonable, in my opinion. David, thoughts here, man?
1: Well, I mean, she talked about uh, the woman behind the counter, I guess, talked about calling the police. I guess I'm sort of surprised they didn't call Mayor McCheese <laughs> <So much laughs> right, right. official. Uh, the fact of the matter is um, sweet and sour sauce is generally better than margarita sauce. And the other fact <laughs> of the matter is all of us make mistakes, even those yeah. of us. Sharing the food. There is nothing wrong. And I you know, I've had it happen to me. But so what, what do you do now? You take responsibility yourself. If if you don't want to insult somebody, you drive a few feet, you pull over, and then you check and make sure do they have the hamburger the right way? Does it, you know, do they have the right sauces or the right number of sauces? And if there's a mistake, you go back and say, hey, I only got you know four sauces, and two of them are missing the sweet and sour. So can I have a few more? Okay, and then maybe the person behind the counter apologizes and says, oh, sorry, here's, and that's how you, that's how you deal with it. Um, the idea that you would spend so much time recording that the checkout counter or the drive-through and complaining and going on and on and on does suggest that, yeah, this woman has problems beyond just what's going on with her autistic son and the food. She sounds like she has a lot of other issues going on in life, so beware.
2: Yeah, yeah. Remember
0: the male Karen who decided to be racist and harass another individual working, previous Obama official. Um, we have an update on that. Let me remind you of what happened, then give you the update. Here it is. It's not my
5: fault that you pray to a criminal. Listen, so I'm, I'm working now, okay? Can you leave this? You're not working. You're I'm nobody just here. working here. Yeah, go. There's
6: nobody here. I'm going to put big signs here that say this guy is, believes in Hamas.
5: Do you, you want to buy
6: something? No, I don't.
7: Okay, why well,
5: see here? I won't,
6: I won't give you a penny of my money. But you're a terrorist. You support terrorism. Listen,
7: go. I'm not supporting support, something. You, do,
6: you support terrorism.
7: I'm not some. Sumbo- go. I'm Chile just working here. Children.
0: If we killed 4,000 Palestinian kids, you know what? It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Go, go, go. Mohammed was a
6: child, but wasn't. Go. It says in the Hadith, do you read the Hadith? Go. Do you I'm read gonna the
2: Hadith? I'm going to call the police. How go. old
6: was Aisha when, when Muhammad married her? It's not her? your business. Go. No, I'm asking you. Go. She was six and then she, he tried to have sex with her when she was nine. That's Are you me. here legally? Go. <laughs> Why should I go? It's a free country, it's not Egypt here. To my friends in immigration. Really? Okay, go, yeah. And to the Egyptian, the Muhabarat wants your picture. Okay, yeah, go, go. The yeah. Muhabarat in, in Egypt will get your parents. Go, go, go. Does yeah, your father yeah. like his fingernails? They'll, they'll take them out one by one. Did you your daughter like Muhammad? You don't speak
7: English.
1: Yes. All
6: right, well, that's, that's see that just shows how ignorant you are. What do you think of that? People who use the, the Quran as a point. Does it bother you?
7: Does it bother you? Tell me the truth. I don't speak English. You don't speak English? That's ah, too bad. That's why you're
6: selling food in a, in a food cart. Because you're, you're ignorant. But you should learn English. It, it'll help you. Of course, When they report yeah. you back to Egypt.
0: He's a horrible human being. Okay, here's the sentence. Put it up full mass. Um, according to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, Because they did get involved, they investigated. This won't be tolerated. Um, All charges against a 64 year old, Stuart Seldwitz, the former White House advisor and Mel Karen. Let's not forget his other title. Who was filmed targeting food cart workers with Islamophobic rants. His charges will be dropped if he completes anti bias training. Per Vice News, uh, this individual was charged with two counts of stalking as a hate crime and one count of aggravated harassment in the second degree in late November. After Vice News and other outlets reported on videos that showed him calling a young cart worker a terrorist and saying the killing of 4,000 Palestinian children in the Israel Hamas war wasn't enough. This man is literally, literally encouraging the death of minors. Um, So he agreed in court on Wednesday to complete a 26-week anti-bias course training at Queens Counseling for Change. If he does so, doesn't have any new arrest, and doesn't violate the order prohibiting him from contacting the food cart vendor, the charges against him will be dropped, the DA's office said in an email statement. I got to say, I don't normally say this. I don't think he's going to make 26 weeks. That's just me. Now, 26 weeks later, we'll see. All right. We'll give you an update. But something tells me he's not going to quite pull it off. All right. Um, Adam Halal, food cart employee, Mohammed Hussein, 24, previously told Vice News that Seldwitz harassed him three times, all of which was filmed. The footage. Shows Seldowitz describing the Prophet Muhammad as a rapist and telling Hussein he was going to get deported. The victim said the attacks made him feel very bad, made it more difficult for him to do his job. I can imagine it did. Seldowitz was uh, acting director for the Get This Now National Security Council South Asia Directorate under former President. Barack Obama. He was also deputy director, senior political officer in the U.S. State Department's Office of Israel and Palestinian Affairs from 1999 to 2003. More recently, he was a consultant with the lobbying group Gotham Government Relations and GDC Inc., a logistics company that services war zones and natural disasters, both of whom cut ties with him. After the videos became public, um, you know, I believe they definitely knew he was racist as hell. Okay. Um, but when it became public, they have to let him go. So this saga actually is not over. You got a 26 week um, training mandate required. It's going to be interesting to see if there are bumps in the road ahead and what. And if, what will the penalty be? Will he then have to face the actual criminal charges? Um, you know, David, it's like people like him always get this opportunity first uh, before something else happens. Uh, and prosecutors continue to give these opportunities to people that I think they should actually make some example out of. What say you?
1: I agree 100%. I mean, I'm so disappointed in all this because imagine if it was a person named Hussein, uh, somebody who was Muslim who was harassing a white elderly sort of male who was running a shopping cart and saying all sorts of say anti-Semitic or anti-white things. Would we give that Muslim person a 26 week opportunity to get rid of this? Probably not. And the other thing is I wish the DA and the judge had come up with something a little more creative than just the 26 weeks. There's nothing that could have stopped the DA and the judge from saying, okay, Mr. Seldowitz, you're now gonna have to spend part of your 26 weeks Actually, doling out food and working alongside people who have these shopping carts, so you can perhaps better appreciate the labor that's involved and what it takes for them to be able to do this in all kinds of weather. Maybe that might give him a little bit more humility, but I'm not so sure that he's capable of any of any of this. It sounds like Mr. Seldowitz may be beyond hope, which is which is really too bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, such an extremist in his bigotry. Uh, Dear sister Tiffany Cross speaks out about her MSNBC firing and other stuff. I'll just put it up full mass Um, on her podcast, Native Land Pod, which, by the way, has been getting significant play on Indisputable because they're doing interesting things. Native Land Pod with Angela Rye and Andrew Gillum. Tiffany Cross will share about her time working on MSNBC. So, Cross actually first. Would talk about working with Joe, Joe Scarborough. Here it is.
4: I was invited to appear on Morning Joe. So, um, Joe Scarborough. I'm sure y'all have watched Joe Scarborough before on the segment right before I was coming on. Joe Scarborough started saying that he wanted the Republican Party to get their act together. He didn't want his country run by some of the leftists who were running countries like Portland. And he called out some other um, municipalities that this was right after at the height of Black Lives Matter. And so uh, he said, we got to get it together. And the Republican Party is failing. Donald Trump turned the party racist. So when I was introduced, I obviously had a a lot to say about that, that there's an unspoken rule that you're not supposed to disagree with Joe, but I didn't get that memo, even if I had, I don't know how much attention I would pay to it. And so when it came time for me to speak, I uh, went through very specific policies, um, talked about Ronald Reagan, talked about um, George Bush, and made the point that even though they may have been more articulate, Their policies were just as damaging to black folks. Well, after I got off the air, he continued to talk about it. Uh, He was very upset, apparently. And so when he left set, Uh, He was beside himself, that's how it was described to me. I was told from several reputable sources, including a talent agent, two anchors and another executive at the network that he left set and went into the president's office, the president of of the Mm -hmm. network to complain about my segment, complained that I disagreed with him, said that I called him racist and suggested that I should not be Joy Reid's successor uh, to get the show.
0: Well, damn. Spill all the tea. I'm here for it. And there's more. She then talked about her battles that she faced while working on her show, The Cross Connection. Here it is.
4: I want you all to know every single week from the start of my show to the very last show I did, it was a battle battle. Every single week, it was a battle to cover things that I wanted to talk about. Um, the network's philosophy was Trump, 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 Trump. Um, they wanted me to be part of the echo chamber and I fought as hard as I could. When I would fight these battles, I know y'all know exactly what I mean. I was spoken to in the most condescending ways. I mean, anything from being told the definition of news, me with my 20 plus year career in news and broadcast and television, I would have somebody sit across from me and explain to me how news worked. Um, I had my intelligence questioned. The central theme to them, again, Trump, Capitol Hill, Minutia, and they wanted me to use the same recycled faces you see all the time. So I really found the constant uh, criticism debilitating at times, but mostly confusing. And let me tell you why. Because viewers seem to love it. According to NBC's Mm -hmm. own research department, The Cross Connection, my show, was averaging 4.6 million viewers a month. We had the most black viewers, Mm -hmm. second only to Reverend Al Sharpton show. We were routinely the highest rated show of the entire weekend in fighting these battles. I can't lie, I made some enemies. Um, I held the line, I didn't acquiesce because for me, what was the point in having this platform if I'm gonna show up and spit out uh, some vanilla granola boringness and hope that one day Maybe the white man will let me host his Today Show. I, I've just never seen that happen. I have never seen anybody be rewarded for acquiescing to the comfort of white folks.
0: Such an amazing talent, an amazing soul. Here's her talking about being let go.
4: But one night, uh, Tucker Carlson dedicated the top of his show to me. After this, the network did not issue a statement. Uh, the way they had for some of my white colleagues who had also been targeted by MAGA extremists instead network executives spoke to me and instructed me that i could not respond to tucker carlson at all then they began to scrutinize my show every little thing i wrote every little thing i said before the show after the show after the show it was always here's all the things that you said here's all the things that you did wrong the ratings didn't lie but according to them People must just be tuning in to criticize me because that's all they had was criticism. Never thanks for doing a good job. Never thanks for bringing so many new viewers to the network. Uh, This was four days before midterms and one day before my show was going to air. We had booked an exclusive sit down with Stacey Abrams, who, as you all know, was in the fight for her life running for governor at that time. That morning, I got a call from the president of the network saying they would not be renewing my contract, which was up in a month, and that my viewers would not even be given the courtesy or respect of me being. Able to sign off or have a final show. Uh, I think it's important that you all know when that happens, it suggests to other people in the industry that this person is so unhirable that we could not trust her with a live mic. And I was never given an official reason for why they canceled my show, but it was pretty obvious that I had drawn the ire of white conservatives, which even made some white liberals uncomfortable. So I had to go. Never mind that millions of people found my voice to reflect theirs. Despite me not saying anything at the time, other than to issue a very politely worded and gracious statement, mostly for my viewers, um, a statement in which did not attack the network at all or or say anything bad about them, the network began attacking me. They planted hit pieces in the press. Um, The president of the network began a bizarre unhinged tour where she was on damage control. I don't know what she was trying to do, Um, but it was filled with outright lies, uh, including showing up on the set of The View. It's very strange for the president of a competing network to show up at another network and talk directly to their talent. That just doesn't happen.
0: (laughs) It's a damn shame she had to go through that. Obviously, she is not the only one who has echoed the sentiment that you just heard, very proud of her elevation and her honesty. The transparency not only provides therapy for the individual, but also for us understanding that common reality that many face. Um, I wanna take a moment to say thank you to somebody in my early career. Because I never realized how powerful that moment was back then. There's a guy named Steve Dor. Steve was an executive. Um, for the local CBS News Atlanta station. It was the first time I was on television years ago. And I was brought on as their political analyst. And I remember saying to Steve something to the effect of, um, I may not be the brand you all are looking for because I'm a strong cup of coffee for the news. And Steve looked at me and he said, just be who you are. And that moment was a powerful moment. I was going to be me no matter what, but knowing that he was endorsing that, I never knew how rare it was, that was years ago. And the stories I hear today that are so antithetical to the the promotion of truth. Everything is measured and manipulated and sanitized. We're supposed to be in an industry that cares about the authenticity of debate the reality of cause and effect. If somebody takes a hit at one of ours, damn it, we take a hit back at them. Way to go. All right, David thoughts here.
1: Well, full disclosure, I worked at MSNBC for eight years. Uh, I was fired in uh, 2010 and there's a whole set of circumstances. Um, but what I, first of all, I wanna salute Tiffany for her courage in speaking out because it takes a lot of guts to do this. Um, What's so sad about to me and hearing what Tiffany said is Tiffany lost her show, she was fired in 2022. That was a different MSNBC president than the one that I had to deal with in some of the same sort of issues. So I'm saddened to hear that the relatively new regime at MSNBC is perpetuating some of the same problems, some of the same snake pit tactics, going to the media, leaking things about you, not circling the wagons and defending you against other talent, but instead being more concerned about, oh well, we need to pound this nail into the sand because we don't want anybody to stick out. I am so saddened to hear that that still exists in MSNBC. And I think it's a reason why I think a lot of progressives intuitively and instinctively know that even though MSNBC is supposedly representing a more progressive or liberal counterpoint to say Fox News and maybe even CNN, there's still a certain amount of corporatism and white privilege that exists even at MSNBC. It is still part of that corporate system where certain people are not gonna get a fair shake no matter what MSNBC claims to stand for. And I salute Tiffany for pulling back the curtain on this as ugly as it may be.
0: Yeah, very well said. And man, they missed a great opportunity for contrast. Tucker is an idiot. Uh, and Tiffany was right on the commentary. And so I can't believe they allowed that to steamroll anything. Um, hell of a thing. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Why? Michael Rappaport has said, you know, well, Martin Luther King Jr. was a Zionist. You all would have canceled him, uh, put him up for a mask. I don't understand. Uh, per Atlanta Black Star reporting, actor, comedian Michael Rappaport claimed on X that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would be canceled if he were alive today for allegedly being a Zionist, was his quote. Um, Rappaport shared the following compilation of Dr. King speaking out against anti Semitism and saying Israel has the right to exist. Here it is. You must
6: see uh, that uh, Israel. Uh, must exist and has the right to exist and is one of the great outposts of democracy
0: in the world.
6: My Jewish brothers and sisters said to me, amid anti-Semitism anywhere, we don't need your support. We have enough Jewish power to deal with this problem our- ourselves. I would still Take a stand against anti-Semitism because it's wrong, it's unjust, and it's evil. If my Catholic brothers and sisters said to me, amid bigotry toward Catholics, we don't need your support in this because we have enough Catholic power to deal with it. I would still take a stand against bigotry toward Catholics because it is wrong, it is evil, and it is unjust.
0: Put up the actual post of Rappaport, and I want to show you part of the fallout. The caption that caused significant stir says cancel this Zionist today. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Zionist and there's no doubt he would be canceled if he was alive today. British Nigerian lawyer and activist Dr. Shola quickly clapped back at Michael Rappaport noting King's own daughter, Bernice King, wonderful human being, set the record straight once before. We reported on a Hear it Indisputable. On October 31st, 2023, Bernice King took to X to clarify her father would have backed a ceasefire if he were alive today, after Amy Schumer shared the same video of Dr. King claiming things contrary to King's stance. Schumer shared her post amid Israel's initial bombings of Gaza, which began after October 7th, 2023. Hamas attack that killed more than 1200 people and took hundreds of hostages. Addressing Schumer directly at the time, Bernie's King wrote, quote, certainly my father was against anti-Semitism, as am I. He also believed militarism along with racism and poverty to be among the interconnected triple evils, I am certain he would call for Israel's bombing of Palestinians to cease, for hostages to be released, and for us to be to work for true peace, which includes justice. He said justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. We have much to correct. Dr. Shola um, shared the words of Bernice King, a bloody hell. You bigots never stop. Now claiming MLK for the genocidal state of Israel is laughable. We can stand against anti-Semitism and oppose Israel. You bigots would have accused him of being Hamas and anti-Semitic. Even MLK's daughter had to set you fools straight. MLK would have opposed Israel's militarism against innocent Palestinians and demanded cease fire. Last November, Mother Jones uh, writer Garr- Garrison Hayes addressed the argument being made by Rappaport by writing in an article for the magazine. Quote, we don't have to imagine that King, what King thought about Israel's relationship with the Palestinian people. He spoke for himself. Hayes followed with a quote from a 1967 ABC interview with King conducted not long after the Six Day War in which Israel captured Gaza and the West Bank. Here it is.
5: It's the summer of 1967, and Martin Luther King Jr. is scheduled to take thousands of African Americans, black people, to Israel for a tour of the Holy Land. Records indicate that he planned to preach a sermon from the Mount of Olives, the place where Jesus ascended into heaven. He plans to pray with thousands of people at the region's holy sites in Jerusalem and Galilee. This was going to be his Moses moment, taking black people to the promised land. But the problem is that just a few weeks before, Israel launched a preemptive attack against the pro-Palestine alliance of Egypt, Syria, and starting what became known as the Six-Day War, which killed around 800 Israelis and about 18,000 Arabs in less than a week. It also fundamentally changed the map. Israel expanded its borders, gaining about four times the land it had before, capturing Jerusalem and establishing military occupation in the Gaza Strip. Even though the war was over in just six days, MLK will cancel his trip, and this war will mark a turning point in King's nuanced position on Israel. Here's the statement. The interviewer asks MLK, should Israel in in your opinion, give back the land she has taken in conflict. And here's part of MLK's response. I think for the ultimate peace and security of the situation, it will probably be necessary for Israel to give up this conquered territory. Because to hold on to it will only exacerbate the tensions and deepen the bitterness of the Arabs.
0: This is called a prophecy now, okay? Um, Rappaport himself, Ruffled feathers last November when he complained about calls for a ceasefire. Here it is.
7: Yo, if twenty American tourists, all African American, all black, all ages, were taken hostage, and ten of them were murdered and and there was ten surviving American tourist hostages that were all black. There's not one in this country that would be talking about cease fire. There's not one person. It would be bring the hostages back. Can you imagine college students ripping down posters of 10 black people from America? That's a fact. Nobody can tell me that that is not a fact. The the word ceasefire wouldn't be in the vernacular. It'd be like ravage the place until they come back and they better come back safe and sound.
0: Not like you Rappaport. We don't think like you. We don't hold the values that obviously you do. I find them to be significantly lacking. You see Hamas and the Palestinians are not the same. The Israeli government, they're killing children. Gaza has a Palestinian population with an average age of 19.2. They're children. 40% of the Palestinians in that region are 14 years of age and under. Put up the stats. Per the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, since October 7th. 24,620 plus Palestinians have been reported killed, and 61,830 reported injured. Israel has reported 1,200 plus killed, 5,431 injured. These estimates include Israeli authorities and foreign nationals as well as civilians. If it's such a righteous and godly war, Netanyahu, why lie about the numbers? Why hide the carnage? Why make the press leave? All right, David, thoughts here.
1: Well, growing up, I was told that uh, Zionism was a lot more complex and nuanced uh, than Mr. Rappaport and a lot of the people on the right seem to believe, and that you can be a Zionist, you can believe that Israel has a right to exist, that Jewish people have a right to live in their ancient homeland, and still support the Palestinians rights and the Palestinians autonomy. It's not a binary choice, but there are too many people on the right who just deal in extremes. Everything is a simplistic extreme argument for them. You're a Zionist or you're in favor of Palestinians. No, that's not it at all. And in fact, life is a lot more complex and nuanced than people like Mr. Rappaport want to acknowledge. And until everybody in the region can say, look, you can," we're gonna settle this in the nuanced complexities. We're not gonna settle this with extremes and until people across the spectrum realize whether it's a battle between right and left whether it's between palestinian and israeli muslim versus jew we are not gonna solve this through extremism we're gonna solve it through appreciating the nuances and the complexities and realizing that yes this is not a binary choice i can support israel i can be like dr martin luther king and also say i don't want militarism in the region This is not a binary choice, and I just hate that there's so many people on the right who seem to appropriate the terms like Zionism for their own pathetic use.
0: Very well said dear brother,
2: very well said.
0: I got a question for everybody, what in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face, it's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun
7: if they're a godless commie.
6: Now what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads.
7: I, never had, I hate math. Somebody say me.
1: Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, if they were the nominee, would you be excited about voting for any of them?
4: Nikki Haley, never, because she took the Confederate flag down in the state.
1: And what about the Confederate flag coming down did you not like?
4: Because I sell the Confederate flag and the shirts, and I disagree with Haley. It's uh, our history here in South Carolina.
1: Even if it upsets people in certain ways?
4: Uh, yes, sir. Uh, history is history. You can't change it.
0: That's right. You you can't change it. And um, I'm sure you're still selling those T-shirts. <laughs> All right, um, David, The the excuses that people come up with, Uh, to not support uh, Nikki Haley are all rooted in race. So either it's because um, of the overt racism, oh she's not white. Um, Or it's the uh, kind of subtle racism where she took down the flag that stands for racist people. Uh, It is always an issue of cultural race. Uh, I have yet to hear a Trump supporter articulate a policy dynamic as to why they would not support Nikki Haley. I just find it quite interesting. What say you?
1: Yeah, no, race runs through all of this. Uh, and yeah. good for Michael Shore to go and talk to these people, yes. and be able to sort of draw it out. And, and the fact of the matter is, I think for people who are not either from the South or have not spent any time in the South, I mean, my parents were shocked um, when years ago they went, I think they were driving through North Carolina and they saw somebody with a, a pickup truck and a Confederate flag bumper sticker. And it said, you just think it's over. And my hmm. parents were shocked And they came back and I said, no, this is unfortunately, this is how it is in parts of the South. This is reality. Uh, And again, we have to constantly be mindful that there are some low information people who are out there who unfortunately are also digesting a heavy stream of racism and bigotry whether it's conservative media or fox news or figures like donald trump and so they look up at nikki haley and think oh my god she took the flag down and and that's that's all they can think about um and that's part of the problem that we have in america
0: yep very well said my friend tell people how they can follow you check out your great work
1: So uh, go to um, YouTube and put in the search bar, Rebel HQ, and all the videos that all of us contributors and folks are putting up there. Every day there's videos about politics and culture and race and law enforcement and constitutional rights. Uh, And you can do that both on YouTube and also on Facebook. Uh, And if you really want to Help us, hit the subscribe button, smash the like, as my daughter likes to say. And that way the algorithm will feed you our videos whenever you pull up on YouTube. So lots of great comments uh, that people put up there and a lot of different points of view. We, we, we go all across the spectrum on Rebel HQ and I hope people will join us.
0: This stuff is always my friend. Happy New Year to you and the family. Look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Thanks, Dr. Richie. Good to be with you.
0: All right, the bullpen is next. Stick and stay.
2: All right, let's
0: get it, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Bullpen. All right, yeah, he's back. Shelly Winter, host 95.5 FM WSB, Word on the Street. Um, Actually, it is a remarkable show if you are a conservative That doesn't pay attention to facts. All right, Shelly. My my brother, (laughs) let me correct you. It's the Shelly Winter Show. Shelly Winter Show now. All right, we need to update the uh, the graphic. But thank you, dear brother, for being on the show. Um, It's gonna be interesting. Because we have to talk about something. I've been waiting to talk directly to a conservative about this. And I'm just glad you happen to be a conservative with some color. Because Nikki Haley, who already made the gaffe about why was the Confederate war fault? You know, hell, she could have listed slavery as one of the reasons, right? Mm-hmm. She, she admitted later, you know what? I gapped. She was on CNN. She said, I should have said slavery, all right? And then she highlights her own racism that she's experienced in America. She pivots well to that. She gets on Fox News. She goes on Fox. She then says, America is not a racist country. America has never been. A racist country. DeSantis gets the same question from Wolf Blitzer about Nikki Haley's question. Do you agree with Nikki Haley that America has never been a racist country? Absolutely this, not, Rashad. I, I mean-
6: this this, is, this, All right, come on. It's absurd. I I, I I talked about this on my own show, shameless plug, Shelley went to show on 95.5 WSB. Um, but I talked about this. First of all, Republicans, I say this Three times a week, at least on my show, Republicans need to start hiring black consultants. There's a number of them in the state of Georgia alone that can do the job. Um, But this idea, I talked about it on the last time I was on your show. Republicans tend not to want to talk about racism. I understand the reason why. It's primarily because whatever is said is going to be taken out of context to make them look like they're racist because that's the narrative. But Nikki Haley was dead wrong the first time. She tried to admit, she admitted it then she came back with "America's never been a racist country," which is clearly not the truth because America owned slaves, so <laughs> or enslaved Africans. So clearly, that is not a true statement to make. Now, in twenty twenty four, is America a racist country? No. Do we have racists in this country? Absolutely. And I think we can have that discussion back and forth. But I mean, I, it, it's a silly comment, um, and I don't know why these people are not smart. If you're not smart enough to answer that question without tripping over yourself, you're certainly not smart enough to be the president of the United States. And I don't want Nikki Haley in anywhere near the Oval Office as VP or president, not because of that, because she's a neocon, war monger, no different than Hillary Clinton. Let me
0: uh, bring a couple of things uh, to your doorstep. Uh, number one, I do disagree with the Sentiment that somehow they are saying these things because they are not smart, um, they are not dumb. You know, a second grade education is all that's required to understand that America is rooted in the origin is rooted, obviously, in racism. I I, uh, I,
6: disagree, I disagree with that. Well, allow con- me, dear brother. I'll allow you to. Well, answer. well, hold on, real quickly. The the Constitution never had it in the in the original Constitution did not. Um, establish slavery as a condition or in well, no, any sir, way, shape, or form. Point. Well, well that's got to be your point. Because if you're talking about man, the rooting. You're the rooting the again. Come no, no,
0: on, man. No, You're no, coming no. low it, vibration, it, brother. That's no, low no, vibration. No, no, no,
6: okay, come on. Stop being low vibration. If, if if you're talking about the rooting of America, brother, you've got to start with the Constitution.
0: myself, Come You said it, not me. I can't You said it, not me. I can't wait to get on your show and totally tear your ass up. Well, I'm not going to let face. you talk like you don't oh, let me you talk no, You'll just cut my mic. <laughs> right, the mic. like you do me. All right, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that a couple of times. All right, so here's the thing. Rooted in the foundational documents, um, look at your Declaration of Independence, your proclamation documents. Uh phraseology such as native americans are savages well that's because white bigoted savages wrote it that's racist and then codified Fair in our enough. statutory language statutory language that says chinese exclusion act uh, that is exactly what it sounds like it was but literally that- a, a law against chinese people only right and so right. we've had not only uh, our documents that are the foundational principles of the nation and also statutory code which was passed by congress signed by presidents, and then let's not get into the state and local county laws. So you don't get away from the permeation of the original DNA of the country, which was the founding concept of the nation that said that only white men who own property could participate in fair democracy, enough, right? Fair enough. So it's rooted in racism fair enough, and fair honestly sexism. Uh, and if if we were in modern if, times, we would call it an oligarch because it was founded by those who had means and only right. those who had means but you, could but you're to looking participate.
6: In but I think it's very important to note that when you use a term like sexism, right? Yes, in 2024 standards and language, it is sexist. But in 18th century, women had no rights whatsoever. You don't so think you, that's yes, sexist? I, of course it is in 2024, but back but then- But you don't it think perf- it was sexist back then? I, uh, no, because it was perfectly normal back then. But Everyone let, accepted let's talk this. Let's so, so, so hold on, let me understand, because I don't want to be seen as saying something that I agree. First of all, I agree- wholeheartedly with you, but in an intellectual conversation, you're looking at something in 2024 language and applying it to the 18th century. So to say it's rooted in women had no rights, women were just uh, 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 bearers of children, keepers of the home. Is that sexist? Back then, it, it was seen as normal, that it, and it was seen okay. as normal by multiple cultures around the world, not just in America. Can I ask you? Just, a question? Like, Amer- just like America wasn't the inventors of slavery, I'm right. not saying I'm not saying that we we are not the we didn't have the worst situation for people in it uh, 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 okay. of our people in this in this world. But it wasn't like we were the only ones, and I'm not saying to defend it. Please don't understand. It well, allow, of, me, to, allow yeah, me to respond you know, to that. So, so that's all I'm trying to say. It's it's, chattel- it's, it's a it's a nuanced conversation as well. All I'm right. Saying. And
0: we're going to provide nuance. Chattel yes, slavery, which was the American version of slavery, right. was different than indentured servitude and some other permeations throughout other nations. But let's come back to the It was notion, different, yes. Right. The notion that you just submitted about uh, well, it was normative for women not to have rights. Women could not sign contracts, those rights extended beyond just, you know, being in the household. Uh, it doesn't make it not sexist. So and let me explain why I'm saying that. Okay. Um, and let me explain why I'm give you my yes, position. You ahead. respond to it. Um, just because other people had slaves, it doesn't make slavery not slavery. Nobody just said because- that. No, on, no, nobody I'm making, said that. I'm making what's okay. called a proxy point. I'm making a proxy okay. point. Okay, I just don't want you to make it sound like I said that. No, no, you're not saying that. Okay. You, you actually agree with me on the right. slavery point, and that's right. why I'm yes. making the proxy point to show you that just as slavery is still slavery, even if it's normative or more normative, sexism is still sexism, even if it's more normative at that time. Do you understand that point? I, of course I
6: do. We have slaves now. You have human trafficked slaves. You have sex slaves. You have slavery now in northern Africa. Slavery is existing is right now before our very eyes. Um, so that normative or, or, or that proxy point you're making, I'm not really sure where it's coming from. The, well, but the, the, you agree that you know, sexism in this conversation. is still
0: sexism, even if it's yes, 100 years you- ago.
6: Yes, but I don't think you're, you're using it as a term that the, the country was based on sexism because it, it, it was based on what was normal for that point well, in time. Slavery in
0: was normal or more normative. It doesn't mean it wasn't slavery.
6: I, I'm not, of course not. But what I'm saying is, and nobody's saying all of this was good. I'm just saying that to apply those uh, uh, concepts eighteenth uh, century concepts concepts to twenty twenty four and say they're still going on now, I think is erroneous. Well, that's Nikki, not Haley, the, that's Nikki not Haley, Haley,
0: Haley only compared. Nikki, to Haley, model. Nikki
6: Haley was stupid to say what she said. John well, let, let me go back was to that stupid point. to say what they had so, to say.
0: So I do that was the point I actually disagreed with right. initially. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.